So for the last 20 years or so, um, I've been giving, I, I've been investing, uh, saving up for retirement, right? Because I don't know if Social Security will be around in 20 years or not, so I better invest it. And so I give um, my financialist uh, advisor, his name is Dave, okay? Uh, I give Dave, you know, my money and, um, and it's not his money, right? It's mine, but I entrust him with it to invest it. Uh, so I'd be kind of mad at Dave if, you know, in a, however many years I go up to him and say, all right, it's time to settle account. I'm planning on retiring. And he says, all right, well, let me do some tabulations here. Okay, so over the past 20 years, you know, you've given me $100,000. And so, and then he goes, he goes into his, um, you know, mattress, and pulls out $100,000 and says, all right, this is the same amount you gave me. I'm giving it back to you. Now, I'd be mad for a couple of reasons. One is that's gross. I don't want all your dead skin from your mattress on my money, <laughs> right? Because mattresses are nasty. Um, that'd be the first reason I was angry. But then the second is that I didn't give him the money just to hide. I gave it from to grow because when I'm too old to work, I want to live off that money. I want to give off that money so that I can give to charity, so that I can uh, give to my children. And so I'd be angry if I gave him all of that money and he didn't do anything. But Dave, he's a good financial advisor. He doesn't have it in his mattress, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, at least the statements that I get say it's not that. But I say this because, you know, what, what if we're all Daves? Now, not just Dave Jones or Dave Landry. I mean, they're Daves. But, I mean, what if we're all Daves and that we're all, like, financial, like, we're entrusted with someone else's wealth to invest? Because the creator God, he owns all things. And he has generously given us time. He's given us uh, treasures. He's given us um, different abilities to invest and multiply the blessings of the kingdom. Uh, being faithful, it's not just about having the right beliefs, but faithfully using the things of this world to further God's kingdom, to expand his kingdom. That's what the parable that was read uh, is about because in today's scripture that Jerry just read, Jesus he tells a parable to emphasize that a part of being a faithful follower of Jesus, ready for his return, is faithfully investing all that he gives us, not just for ourselves, but for his kingdom to love God and love others and to expand that kingdom. And the parable suggests three kind of mind shifts that we have to have in order to be those faithful servants. Uh, the, the first is to go from an ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality. The second is to go from a motivation of fear to a motivation of gratitude in our giving. And then the third is to go from a maintenance mentality to a growth mentality. We'll, as we look at the parable, we'll look at how this parable tries to change our mind and shift our minds to start thinking like that. 
But the context of our scripture, again, that was from Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. Um, the context of the scripture is this is still a part of Jesus' sermon on the uh, Mount of Olives. So it's this, this last week we had started that, where, remember, he talks to his disciples about the end times, the, his second coming. And in chapter 24, the disciples were asking him, remember, about the end times. And Jesus answers their questions, and he emphasizes that many things are going to happen before the end. Um, and, and those things are just birth pains before the real thing. But then he also goes on to talk about, and no one knows the day, no one knows the hour of Christ's return. So he says in verse, chapter 24, verse 44, therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And then, again, I'm just giving you the context here, is he tells three parables about the coming of the kingdom. And these parables, they all emphasize that Jesus will return unexpectedly. So we need to be faithful as we wait for him to return. But he, we need to be ready, faithful and ready, because we don't know when he's returning. He tells three parables about that. And this particular parable that Jerry just read, that's the third and this parable emphasizes more of not the suddenness of Jesus coming. The other two parables do that, that we didn't read. It's more about, well, what does it mean to be faithful as we wait for his return? And this parable emphasizes that one of the ways to be ready to be faithful, his return, is to be faithful with the things that God has entrusted us with. To be faithful stewards of all that he has given us, as this parable talks about. So let's look at the parable. Um, now, parables, remember, they are stories that Jesus would tell. He would lay them parallel. He would tell a story and lay it par parallel with a spiritual truth that he wants to emphasize, that he wants folks to understand better or in a different way. And here, he lays, uh, he, he lays aside this parable alongside the kingdom of God and what we're to do while we're waiting for Christ's return. And what are the characters? The first is the master, right? There's a master who goes on a journey, and then he comes back. Now, who do you think the master represents in this parable? Jesus, right? Yeah, see, exactly. Whenever some, a pastor asks you for a question, just say Jesus. Usually it's right. Um, Although, I'm going to test you, because now this, but the next, there's also, that's one character, the master. But then there's different servants. Now, who do you think they represent? Yeah, right. Jesus followers, right? Jesus followers. Um, there's different servants. And the master, the action is the master entrusts these servants with his money. Okay, and here uh, uh, in Jerry's translation that he read, he talked about bags of gold, and in the ESV it talks about talents. Now, a talent was a measure of money that was equal to like a bag of gold, depending on the size of it. We're talking like ten thousand to fifty thousand dollars. All right, so this is no small sum, and the master entrusts. Okay. The servants, with one with, with uh, five bags of gold, with two and with one. And the understanding is that they will use it, they'll invest it, they'll work it so that when he comes back, when the master returns, they'll have more to give, okay? So, immediately, this parable challenges us 
with a mind shift in that we often think about, well, our stuff, our time, our bank account, our abilities. We, we think of them as ours, right? Well, that's mine. Mine? Mine, right? But, but here, the framing of the parable challenges us. The framing of the parable is, no, actually, God has given these servants these things. They're his. They belong to him. They belong to God. And he entrusts them with these things. Again, we're all Daves. We're all those who have been entrusted with God's riches. And some people have more, some people have less, but it's all given by God. And God says, I'm entrusting this to you so that you'll grow it and you'll invest it and increase my kingdom. And that's, let's, well, let's continue to look. Because the master does return. So he entrusts it, he returns, and the servant with five bags of gold or five talents say, oh, master, while you were away, while I was waiting for you to return, um, here, I've made five more. He doubled the investment. That's pretty good. I'd take it. I hope my Dave doubles my investment. I don't know. And then the, the one with two says, here's two more, also doubled it. And because they were faithful, what does the master say? He says, you've been faithful with a little. And I mean, that's a, a little. I mean, again, that's around 10000 to $50,000. I mean, that was more money than he, probably any of them ever had. But he says, I've entrusted with you a little. And now, therefore, I'll entrust you with so much more. Well, you know, what does he say? Enter into the joy of your master. The understanding here is that the master, he went away, and while he was away, his kingdom, his holdings grew even more, so that when he comes back, now he's in charge of even more. His kingdom has grown, and so as these faithful servants have been faithful with a little bit, he entrusted them, he's like, well, now I have so much more, I'm going to entrust you with even more. Enter into the joy of your master, he says. His household has reached a high point of success. And the master actually wants to share with his servants. Because think about it. It's, it's one thing to give someone a gift. It, it would be one thing if he's like, hey, you guys did a good job. You know, here's a little, here, here's $100. So, you know, go and go away. Thank you for your service and thank you for, uh, no. He says, no, I'm going to continue to entrust things to you. To, it's a different thing to bring them into the family, to be a continual contributor and a shared prosperity being built together. Because that's what's going on here. Because remember the context. This parable is actually about Jesus going away. He's going to be crucified. He's going to go to the Father. And then he's going to return to his kingdom. And it's going to be an everlasting kingdom. It's going to be a family So these faithful servants took what God entrusted to them, what the master entrusted them with, and they provided increase. And now the master, he's pleased. He's saying, all right, I'm generous. I've given you more than you ever knew, but now you've been faithful with that. You're going to even enjoy it even more. Enter into the joy of your master. But that's not all that happens in this parable, is there? 
because there's this generous abundance given to the faithful servant, that's not the only outcome, right? Jesus then talks about the servant who hid away the money. He buried it, and he gives back the master the exact same thing he had been given. He just buried it in the ground. He hid it away. And I think we can understand his thinking in a sense of, wait a minute, you know, I could lose this, but this way here, no, no risk, right? No, no, no risk of loss. But the problem with that is no risk of loss, but there's also no risk of gain. And in this parable, this servant who just gives back what was given to him, he's called wicked. He's not being faithful with what the master gave him because that's not what the master wanted. The master didn't give it to him just to bury it away. He gave it to him so it would increase and grow. And so whereas the other servants, they're given even more, this servant is thrown out of the house, cast out where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. So why? Why did the servant hide the talent in the ground? Well, what does the text say? It says that he was afraid, right? Look at, is it, yeah, verse 25. He knew that his master was demanding. He knew that his master wanted things to, to, to grow. He was always seeking to increase his holdings, his kingdom. So the servant says in verse 25, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent, your, your, the bags of money in the ground. Here you have what is yours. He was afraid because his view of God was somewhat skewed. See, he feared the justice of God more than appreciating the generosity of God and God's vision to increase his holding, his kingdom in the world. So that brings us to the mind, second mind sh mindset shift. And that is going from a motivation of fear to a motivation of gratitude. Because even if we understand that, yeah, God, all, all that I have is from God. He's the true owner. I'm just entrusted with it. Our fear can keep us from taking the risk that faith requires. Because faith is risk. This is where our faith in God's character is so essential. Because he is a generous God, and that faith will propel us to risk, to invest what we have to further God's kingdom. Because he's a generous God. Uh, he wants to share his abundance. He wants to include us in increasing it even more. Because the master in the parable, he was so generous with his servants. And even the one who only got one talent, again, that was more money than he had probably ever seen in his life. And when we're faithful and following him, with all that we have, he gives us even more because he's generous. Again, look at verse 29. It says, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So in context, Jesus means that everyone who is faithful what God has given in, his, in this life, who invested to increase God's kingdom, God will give even more abundance at the end of the age. 
He's actually generous. He actually desires for his kingdom blessings to fill the earth, to fill your life. And it's not just a handout. He's calling you and I to be a part of what he's doing. He wants us to share in the joy of increasing his kingdom in the world. And he's so generous that when we're faithful with a little, he wants to pour out even more upon us, especially at the end of the age. But this servant, he doesn't see the master's desire for growth, his, his demand that, all right, I want, I'm going to give you something and I want you to increase it. He doesn't look at that as a, as a result of the master's generosity, that the master wants to have more so he can give more, so he can share more, so his kingdom will increase. He sees that instead as evidence of a demanding master who should be feared. And so this fear caused him to hide that talent to hide that treasure in the ground instead of invest it. So I think it'd be good for each one of us, I include myself in this, to, to ask ourselves uh, some questions, to self-assess. I mean, do we function from, from fear or from gratitude? I mean, what's our motivation you know, we're doing this stewardship month and we're talking about, you know, giving uh, to, uh, entrusting money to the church so that we can invest it in the kingdom. And what, you know, when you respond to that, is it a response out of fear or out of gratitude? The, the idea that, no, God has given me so much. He wants me to invest it. He wants me to ex expand his kingdom. And because it's all his, because he's given so, so much, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll give to all, all sorts of things. Now, one of the questions we can, follow-up questions, to say, well, I'm not sure. What is my motivation with my, with, with my things? Is it fear? Is it gratitude? Well, the question is, am I a cheerful giver? Am I a cheerful giver? Because if, if we truly give out of gratitude, we do it cheerfully. Like God has given me so much, so yeah, of course I can pass it on. But if we're giving because we're supposed to, if we're giving but we really don't want to, but we're supposed to and we fear God or we don't want to be whatever, then we're not going to be driven by generosity. We're being driven by fear. We need to move from uh, this motivation from fear to a motivation of gratitude, but the only way to do that is if we truly understand the character of God. We need to understand who God is. Many of us, when it comes to following God, whether it's stewardship, discipleship, stewardship's a part of discipleship, if we follow God just out of fear, we're going to do things like this. <laughs> that we'll only do what we have to do and we won't do it cheerfully. Um, but when we understand God's generosity, then that fills us to then um, to give, to do, to risk. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Objection. This servant, I mean, he was cast into outer darkness. So, see, he should have been afraid. He had a right to be afraid because look what happened to him. But biblical fear, it's not just a respect for God's power. 
his raw power, but a respect that he owns it all, a respect for who he is, a respect that his character is one of generosity, and a respect that God wants to expand his kingdom, and you know what? That's best, that God's kingdom is the best kingdom, that God's ways are the best ways, and so I want to actually expand what God's doing in my life, in my world. That's what biblical fear is. It's not a fear of God's raw power that he's going to punish us. It's a true respect for who he is and all that he, the generosity he has. And his kingdom is a good kingdom and we want to expand it. But this person's fear, it caused them to turn inward. It caused them to turn towards self-preservation. And so he hid what God gave him. He didn't increase it, didn't forward it, didn't move it outward. Because that's what fear does. When, and when we see just, when we're self-focused and we see how small we are, we see how incapable we are without God, that can either turn us towards generosity, towards God, all that God has given. But if we continue just to look at ourselves, then that fear will keep us from embracing the bigger vision that God is inviting us into. So that takes us to the third and last mind shift, mind shift, whatever. <laughs> Mindset shift. And that's from a maintenance mentality to a growth mentality. So when we're self-focused, our world is so small and we try to maintain the little bit we have. And even if we know God wants us to grow it and all that, our fear can cause us to not risk anything, to just say no, no, to maintain what we have and, and go to God and say, all right, God, I didn't lose anything, but we also didn't risk anything. We didn't, there was no growth. In the parable, the servant gives, didn't lose anything, but God was not pleased with that. That's an example of Poor stewardship. Now, that immediately challenges us, doesn't it? Because, now, I've been around, you know, in churches long enough that whenever we do a stewardship thing, there's this underlying sort of thinking about stewardship, that good stewardship is not losing anything, maintaining what we have. It is. I, I sense it every time we talk about stewardship, that good stewardship is somehow no risk, Make sure we keep what we've been given. This is the mindset. But no, this, that's an example of bad stewardship. We need to switch our minds. And I'm speaking to myself because I'm a saver. Like I like to save money. I like to invest money and all of that stuff. Save, save, save. And don't spend, save, save, save. Like that is, that is my, and, and my wife's as well. That's, like, that's our default setting. But we, this challenges us. Because God says, no, I'm not, I haven't given this to you to maintain it. I've given this to you to invest it, to grow it, to grow God's kingdom. The no-risk maintenance mindset shows we don't understand who God is. I mean, are we scared that he can't take the loss? I mean, he gave his son. He gave his whole self so that we would serve him with our whole self. I mean, that's a faith that risks. Jesus' faith in the Father, his connection with the Father, it caused him to put risk his whole life. He put his life on the line. That's a radical, self-sacrificial love that seeks at all costs to grow the kingdom, 
even if it cost him his life. He gave his life to grow the kingdom. Status quo he did not want because status quo was a world separated from God. Jesus would not have that. So he risks it all. And then he calls his servants, not just to maintain, but to grow the kingdom because this world is so in need of the kingdom of God. So my friends, as we look at this parable, we see that being faithful, being ready for Christ's return, because that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that's the context, is growing what God has given us for God's purposes until God returns. So whatever God has given you, you work it, you use it, you do something with it, because you know God didn't need to give you anything, but he entrusts you with things, and he invites you into his purposes. So being faithful stewards is using all that we have to expand God's work in his world. And so one of the best ways of self-reflection is to look at, well, I used to say, look at your checkbook and look at your calendar, but now all that's on our phone. So I will say, now look, open up your banking app, open up your calendar app. How do you spend your, your time, your treasures? What, look, at, do an assessment and say, all right, how much do I spend towards expanding God's kingdom with my time? With, with my treasures. Now, if you're a member of this church, one of the things we do is we covenant together so that together we, and we pool our money and so that we can invest it in spreading the gospel here, but also across the world. Dan Tabb's here. Some of our money goes to support his ministry because we realize that what God is doing, we want to be a part of that. And some of you might say, well, well Pastor Joe, when I fill out this form, you know, should, should I give 10%? That's what a tithe is, is a 10%. I mean, maybe. I don't know what anyone gives other than me. Um, that's between you and God. I'd rather ask, wait, well, what's your motivation? Because if you're going to just say, well, am I supposed to give 10%? Will, will God be happy with 10%? Okay, I'll, I'll, that's what I'll do. That's a fear motivation. That's not a gratitude motivation. No, we need to be faithful with all of it, not just 10% of it. That's why we look at our whole life. That's why stewardship is a part of discipleship. How do we spend our lives? And we're not just faithful with our money. We're faithful with our time. We're faithful with the talents that God has given us. And some of you, as you know, you might not have much money, but you've got lots of talent, or you've got lots of time, or you do have money, but not much time. We're all given and trusted different things, and the goal is not, all right, I just want to keep God happy, you know, I don't want him to be mad at me. It's to understand, wow, God, you are such a generous God, and you are inviting me into your kingdom, and I'm so overwhelmed with thankfulness about who you are and what you've given that I want to expand your kingdom. I want to invest in it. So let us look. Let's look at our calendars. Let's look at our banking apps and assess, you know, what are we doing with what God has given us? As we look at this parable, we, we need to ask ourselves, all right, all that I have, whose is it? I mean, is, is it mine? Or is it mine for this time? It, well, God has entrusted it to me. And we ask ourselves, well, why am I doing this? 
Why am I spending it on this? Why am I spending it on that? Is it, do I have that gratitude motivation? And then finally, well, what is it for? Why has God entrusted this to me? Is it just to expand my kingdom or is it to expand his kingdom? My friends, let us shift our thinking, but then let us shift our actions to be like that faithful servant. Let's all be a Dave, <laughs> you know, a Dave, someone who understands, all right, this isn't mine. Rather, someone has entrusted this to me, and now I want to grow it. To, so it's not only a blessing to me, but it's a blessing to those around me, and it's a blessing to God's kingdom. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so grateful for all that you've given. And Lord, we confess that our minds are not right on this. We often think about your good gifts as ours and not in trust. Lord, we often run out of fear instead of gratitude. So, Lord, we pray that you would work, Holy Spirit, in our hearts to change our minds, to change, to conform our minds to your word, to your ways, so that we would live in a way that reflects that, Lord, we're faithful servants. And Lord, for those who are here who, who don't understand who you are, who haven't trusted in you yet, uh, Lord, I, I pray that uh, they would first and foremost understand who you are, that we don't give because we're, we have to, because it's a work, but we give because, Lord, you are the generous, gracious God who gave everything when you gave your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, fill us with that truth to overflowing so that, Lord, we will praise you, we will live different, we will give different, and we will give with gratitude because of who you are. Lord, work in this time, work in this month of stewardship, work in our hearts, grow us as we grow what you've given to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.